morning, I want to jump right into what I've been uh, talking about, and it's called Burn the White Flag, is the, the series uh, title of this message, and, uh, and, and as, I, uh, as I begin to just break this out and develop this, I honestly, I feel more strongly than ever that I was right on with what God was leading me to do in bringing this message. There are so many people that struggle and they go through life and, and uh, they fall short of what God uh, wants them to because they quit too early. Uh, I remember, I remember uh, sitting at a railroad track waiting on a train and, and I sat and sat and it's like, man, this thing's never going to end. So I make a U-turn and I go and I'm going to go around, you know, because I know of another path to go around. That ever happened for, with anybody? And I look in my rear view, and the train just passed, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. And, and too many times we do that in life, we're, we're sitting, we're waiting, and, and you know, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God, and sometimes we can get impatient, and we can quit, and we don't work through all the process, and we're going to talk about a number of things in, during this series and, and we, just, we just fall short of what God has for us because we just, we raise the white flag and we quit rather than burning the white flag and continuing on in what God has for us. So I want to take you to a scripture uh, based on uh, uh, as far as the uh, series that we're doing today. And it's found in Luke chapter 18, Jesus speaking, and he said this. He says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. Now, that doesn't mean that you got to pray 24-7. It just means don't give up on your prayer life. Have a prayer life that you have on a daily basis, that you're, you're, you're communing, com, having communion with God, that you're talking to God and having a relationship with God. And then he, ta- he links prayer. This is interesting. He links prayer to this and not lose heart. Don't, he says, you, you need to make sure that you are having a prayer life so that you don't lose heart. And if you break out the, 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 the uh, meaning of losing heart, if you go to the original Greek, because the Bible was in the New Testament was written in the original Greek, it means a few different things, and I want to give that to you. It means this, and I think it may be in your notes. It says, uh, to lose heart means to faint. Matter of fact, uh, King James, that's what it says. Uh, it says to not faint. And it goes on to say, uh, it means this, to, uh, to turn out to be a coward. You know, we can cower down on, on some situations. It's like we're going, we're going, and we get fearful, and we, we, we become a coward, and we quit. And, and the children of Israel, we're going to look at them. And they came up to the promised land. Did they, did they, did they become a coward? They, they did, and they didn't move into what God had for them. It also means to lose courage, get discouraged, if you will. Has that happened to anybody here? It means to be slothful in duty, to lose soul and heart, to grow weary. Oh, gosh, that can happen. And throw in the towel literally means to throw in the towel. It's like, I'm done, I'm quitting. I'm not going one step further means to throw in the towel. And then it also means to to wave the white flag. To lose heart means to wave the white flag. It's like, I'm I'm done. And I think every one of us have done that, where we've waved the white flag. and, and, And it goes on to mean this. It means to give up. 
And so God doesn't want us to give up. And, and, and so what we've done is we begin to break this down. And, and last week we started this on Easter weekend. And we begin to break this down. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to take you there. And uh, this, is, this is something, it, really, this is an instruction to all believers. So this is, this is speaking to you and I. So if you, if you say, well, I don't hear from God, you're going to hear from God this morning. You've already heard from him in Luke's uh, gospel, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. But you're also going to hear from him right here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And it says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And we talked about that last week, and I'll, I'll recap a little bit. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance... The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God. And then it goes on to say, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, lest you raise the white flag lest you quit, lest you become discouraged in your life and surrender to whatever that circumstance that you're going through. The Bible tells us that we're, look, we're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, last week we discovered this. We discovered if we're going to burn the white flag rather than raise the white flag, then we need to understand that we need to lay aside every weight. And that weight, that word weight, as we discovered last week, means a bending by its load. That you've got such a load on you that it just causes you to bend, even to the point of breaking. Has that ever happened? It also means means a burden, where you're just burdened down so much in life. A heaviness, a feeling of oppression or pressure. A weight on one's mind, the ability to influence your decisions and action, literally means this. It means pressure because of circumstances. The Bible says that we're to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares. In other words, we can go through life and we could have so much pressure come on us so easily that we don't even realize, recognize that it can can happen. And the Bible says that we have a responsibility, not God, but we have the responsibility to set that aside. That we're to lay it aside lest we raise the white flag and quit. Instead, the Bible tells us that we're to endure. That we're to run this race with endurance. And, and so I said, I made this statement last week. I said this, that there's too much at stake It's too much at stake not to keep running with endurance the race that's set before us. There's too much. There's too many people that need to be touched by your life. There's too many things that need to be done for for you, um, through you, and in you, and and, and, uh, the kingdom of God that needs to be touched by you. There's too much that needs to be done for us to raise the white flag. And this isn't just a message. This isn't just a good message. This is not just a message to motivate. This is, this is a message that needs to change our lives. Because there's so much that God wants to do. And I, I really believe there's far too many people that are turning around and going back. 
they're going back and they're 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 going back into maybe a routine that they've been in for so long and they're not gaining any ground. You know that motion just because you have motion doesn't mean progress. You know you can be in a rocking chair and you're ha- you have motion but you're not going anywhere, right? And there's a lot of people you you're you're you got a lot of motion but you're not you're not making any progress in life. And God wants you to make progress. In this world, we need to understand that there's an endless, endless cycle of pressures on our life trying to get us to surrender and quit. And the devil's the initiator of that. And so what do we need to do? We need to run with endurance. And so we discovered last week that word endurance means to, it means to be patient. How many times we become impatient with situations, circumstances, our our, uh, the scenarios that are going on in life, we just become impatient and we want to surrender. We want to raise the white flag rather than burn the white flag. It also means that word endurance means to bear up under. means the quality of character that does not allow you to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. I like that. And folks, let me tell you, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't surrender. I'm so glad that he went the distance, that he went to the cross, that he was buried, and he, he, he did that for us so that one day, eventually, the resurrection power came into his life and into his body and raised him from the dead so that we could be raised from our circumstances in whatever circumstances we may be in. See, as believers, there's not anything impossible to those that believe. It's when we, we give up in our beliefs. It's when we give up in our faith. It's when we give up that we don't experience what God has for us. And too often we're giving up rather than moving forward. The Bible says that we're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I looked up that word looking. It means this. It means, to, it means fixing your eyes. It means to, to look away from all else. And look unto Jesus. It also means to perceive. And so with that being said, today, I've entitled this message, and I'm going to tie it into today's message, but I've entitled today's message, There's Too Much to Gain to Give Up. There's too much to gain. We shouldn't give up because there's too much to gain. And our perception will cause us to to give up if we have the wrong perception of something in our life. Too many people are their perception is is underestimated in their life and perception is a powerful thing in our lives. What we perceive something to be. See, not everything is as it, as you think it is. Not everything is as you see it may be. And so we need to understand that that God's always doing so much more than what we think he is. And that a God that is unseen is always working behind the scenes. And he's working on our behalf. And so we need to know that he works all things out for good for those that love him and called according to his purpose. That when you think nothing's happening, something's happening. God's always working. So many of our actions are determined by how we perceive things to be. I'm telling you, and that's what we're going to look at today. How we perceive is based on what we think, what we see. It's, it's based on, on the things that we hear. Yet our perception of events, our perception of words, our perception of, of people can be entirely wrong. 
Our perception can make the difference in our life. I think of the children of Israel. You know, uh, they sent 12 spies in to spy out the land. You remember that? Right after they uh, came out of, of, of Egypt and they were delivered out of Egypt and, and God brought them to this promised land. He said, this land is yours. You can go in. You can have it. And, and, and it's there for you to take. The Bible says it flows with milk and honey. The Bible says it was flowing with milk and honey, which literally means that it's a land that, that, that promotes health and prosperity. Amen. That they could have a land that health, promotes health and prosperity. He says, it's yours. And he, and he said, Go, Moses sent 12 spies in to spy it out, not to see if it could be done or not, not to see if it could happen or not, to see how, what they're facing and how, how to address it, how to take care of it, how to move into it. And out of those 12 spies, 10 came back and said, and they brought an evil report and said, we can't do it. How many of you remember the story? But two of them said, we can. Now, who's right? I'm going to tell you that both of them had a different perspective. Both groups of people had two different perspectives. Now, who's right? Well, I'm going to tell you who won over. The majority won over. And the majority were wrong. The majority, the, tw- the ten that came back, they influenced a whole nation of millions of people. A couple million people. They influenced them to have a, the same perspective that they had. Perspective is very powerful. We've got to watch how we perceive things, how we see things, how we think we see things. We need to make sure that our perspective aligns itself up with God's perspective. Otherwise, we'll be like the children of Israel and we'll raise the white flag rather than burn that dude and, and, and pursue what God has for us. Amen. Amen. Amen? And so today, we're going to be talking about perspective. Because perspective, it rules in our life whether we recognize it or not. And it needs to. We need to have a perspective. We're going to have a perspective. Let me rephrase that. We're going to have a perspective on, on everything in life. We just need to have God's perspective and not our own perspective or some flawed perspective or distorted perspective in our life. And so reality is, is what you perceive it to be, not what it really is. It's whatever you perceive it to be is what reality is truly in our life. And, and, you know, I tell people and I tell our leaders from time to time that when people, uh, and it, is, it doesn't matter whether there's a, there's a problem or not, uh, if a person thinks there's a problem, there's a problem. Because that's their perspective. And they perceive that's, there's a problem, so there's a problem. And, and every one of us can perceive problems when there really isn't even a problem. And many times that's where we are in life. We're going through life and, and things get a little uncomfortable. By the way, God never promised you comfort. He never promised that you were going to have a comfortable life. And a matter of fact, he probably promised everything but that. He said, if you're going to follow me, he says, you're going to have to deny yourself. That's very uncomfortable. You're going to have to pick up a cross. That's going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to have to follow me. That means wherever he goes, that's uncomfortable. Because sometimes he's going to lead you into places that's very uncomfortable to talk to people that it may be uncomfortable to talk to, to love people that are very unloving and that uncomfortable. Whatever it may be, 
He didn't call us to live a life of comfort. He called us to live a life of obedience and willingness. Amen? And so, so we, we just need to understand that perspective is something that, uh, that influences all. And I looked that word up. That word perspective means a taking in. We take in something. It also means an, an, an awareness derived from a stimulus. Something stimulated it. And, and that's where we, we gain that perspective in our life. And we're so flooded with information, and ideas, and opinions, and all kinds of things that are coming in, in, into our lives and stimulating us, trying to get us to believe in its idea or whatever. And, and that's where our perspectives are gained. Even in Christianity, guys, one of the things that I battle in my life and even in pastoring our church is that I'm trying, to, I'm trying to impart into you God's perspective, but let me tell you what I fight against. Culture. I fight against uh, a lot of tradition. Not only, not only uh, uh, tradition in the sense of, of, of Bible tradition or people, you know, religious tradition, but also just traditions in your own lives. And, be, and, and because of your tradition, you've got a perspective of how you think life needs to look. And one of the things that I always say, I always say, let the, let the word define a word. Let it define an idea. Like, for instance, the word faithfulness. What does faithful mean? Well, let me tell you, every one of us have a perspective of what they think faithfulness is. Every one of us will, if I sat down with every one of you, I'd probably come up with a, a, a huge amount of different ideas of what you thought faithfulness is according to your perspective of faithfulness. Isn't that true? But what does the Word of God say faithfulness looks like? That's where our perspective needs to be gained. Come on now, I'm preaching better and you're saying amen. And, 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 and what happens is... If we don't have God's perspective, guarantee you, guarantee you, we're going to be more prone to raise the white flag than burn it. We're going to be more prone to quit than keep on going in our life. And that's, that was the children of Israel. They did that. They did that. They came back. They said, hey, uh, the ten spies came back and said, hey, we can, we can have this. We can have this This. This land, uh, or excuse me, not the ten spies, the two spies came back out of the twelve spies, said, we can have this, we can have this land. But the ten says, oh, it is a good land. I agree. I agree it's good. But there is no way, Jose, can we go in and, and, and get, uh, you know, possess that land. And so what I want to do is I want to pick up in Numbers chapter 13 in the time that we have remaining in and I've spent a lot of time on this intro, so I'm going I'm to cruise through my, my, my thoughts that I want to give you. But in Numbers 13, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the lands which, which they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone, have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. 
there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak and came from the, from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. Let me just give you some, some thoughts here in regards to the perspective in the children of Israel and some things that we can pick up. First of all, our perceptions are formed by our comparisons. Forming the right perspective the right perceptions, we need, we, need to, we need to make sure that we're comparing the right thing. Notice here in Numbers 13, verse 31, it says this, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They begin to compare themselves with those that were in the land. And their conclusion was, that we can't do it. My perspective is there's no way. What they failed to compare is they failed to compare the people with their God on, them, on their side. It's what they failed to do. We're all going to do this. We're all going to compare. It's going to happen. When we face a trial or, or whatever we face in life, whatever circumstance we face in life, we need to be making sure that we're comparing our circumstance with our God and not with our own abilities and our own strengths and our own limitations, our own finances, whatever it may be in our life. We need to to quit comparing it with ourselves and start comparing it with God. Else we're going to find ourselves in the same place where we found the ten spies and saying, there's no way that we can do this. They are stronger than we, is what they said. Who told them they, they, they were stronger? How do they know they were stronger than them? By the way, how do they know that? What, what, did they fight them? Did, did, did they go in and arm wrestle them? Or, did they go in and compare muscles? How did they know that they were stronger? It, it's because of, they, they began to compare, I guess, from... Maybe history, maybe they compared some people like, like them in the past or whatever. And by the way, there was only a few giants in the land. There wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a land that was full of giants. You go in there and there was only a few uh, uh, descendants of Anak that were in there and there was only a few giants. There were other people of their stature, their size living in the land. It was with fortified cities, and they were all, it wasn't like they were all unified and would come in and stop the Israelites. They were all, they, they had fortified cities against themselves. They weren't, they weren't all unified. It's, you know, we, many times we just, we, we evaluate things wrongly. And, and, and many times we compare our lives, our, our marriages, we compare our lifestyles, our finances, our activities, our church, our dreams. With the wrong things. We come up with the wrong perspective and we, we raise the white flag. Let me give you a, another thought here that I see from this. Is that our perspectives are formed by our words. They brought back an evil report according to, according to Numbers 13.32. They, 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 they said that we couldn't do it. But let me, let me just read it. Numbers 13.32. It says in... And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying that the land 
through which we have gone as spies in is a land that devours an inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, of course they're of great stature. They were healthy people. It was a land that promoted health and prosperity. And, and, and so, yeah, it was a great land. It was a good land. I, a matter of fact, I, I'd want to go live in a land that promotes health and, and prosperity, right? But it doesn't mean that it's going to come easily. But, you know, they, they were freaked out about it. And they begin to voice it out. You've got to watch your words. Your words are so important. Your words, your words have life and death, blessing and cursing in them. You've got to watch that your words are seeds that, that produce good or bad. They produce a harvest or they're going to produce some kind of harvest, a good harvest or a bad harvest. Your words will shape your world. And their words influence millions of people. And that's why I said last week, and I'm going to say it again this week, and I'll probably try to say it every week, that when we go negative, we get negative. And our negative will influence millions of people. Potentially. Potentially. It will influence millions of people. Our words have power. Power to produce good or bad. And that's why one of the things that I said last week is that one of our values as a church is that we have we choose deliberately a positive attitude. Because there's always going to be negative things in every circumstance. And if we don't watch it, we can look at that, but we're not going to look at that. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I I didn't I didn't ha- I don't have this uh scripture on the Overhead, so if you're taking notes, you can write it down. But Proverbs 14.4, I thought about this, oh gosh, and it just rang just so, uh, so loud in my, in my heart. And it's this, it says, where, where, uh, where no oxen are, the, the, thro- the trough is uh, clean. But much increase comes by the strength, strength of an ox. And I got to thinking, okay, if you want to clean, if you want to clean, uh, trough, if you want that clean, then you just have no ox. Have no oxen in there. In other words, if you want productivity in your life, then there's going to be some messes you got to have to deal with. If you're going to, if you're going to be moving forward in life, if you're going to be aggressive, if you're going to achieve anything for God, then you got to know that there's going to be some things that you got to deal with. But let me tell you, that's where the strength comes from. Quit focusing on the negative and start focusing on the positive. The strength comes from the ox. Let's don't get rid of the ox. Let's don't quit on the ox. Let's keep the ox because the ox is going to help you to produce strength. I don't know what your ox is in life, but keep your ox. Don't raise, your, don't raise that white flag. Burn that white flag and keep on going. You say, I live with that ox. You don't know that ox. I may not. But you're better off with that ox than not. Amen? Gosh, there's so much. Let me give you one more. Maybe two more. Our perspectives are formed by our observations. How we observe things. Some of us are very observant. I'm one of those people, I can walk into a room, I see everything. Literally, it's just, it's a gift and it's a, it's a blessing and a cursing at the same time. And, uh, and, and I'm just very observant. And some people are great, they're people watchers. They, man, they just, whew, 
They're sizing people up all the time. Very, and, 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 and honestly, most of us will conclude, right after our observation, we conclude, uh, we conclude some type of judgment, good or bad. Have you ever uh, observed something or observed something, someone, and at the conclusion of it, it was incorrect? Because we do that. That's where we're created to do that. We, you know, we observe. We're, God gave us that ability. And so we've got to make sure that our observations conclude the right perspective. That's why we need to be learning. That's why we need to be understanding. That We need to be praying, God, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that, and open the eyes of our understanding because we just don't see everything. We, we need to have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth because we can't see all truth by ourselves. We need His help. We need to be leaning on Him every day. Amen? And so Numbers 13.33, it says, There we saw the giants, the, uh, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. They began to observe some things. They're healthy? I'm not. They're big? I'm not. You know, they're, 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 their observation is, well, I can't do it. There's no way. And let me tell you, it was an illusion. It was definitely an illusion because God says, with me, you can do it. I mean, Joshua and Caleb, they, they, they began to proclaim what God said. And it even angered God that those uh, ten spies and the other children of Israel did not want to go in and possess what God had given them and that they had disbelief in what God had said. And, it, and the reason is, is because all that they saw, their observation was incorrect in what God saw. God had great things for them. Where are you? Where are we? Where, are we? where, where do we need to be in life? Are we, are we falling short? Are we quitting? I just feel impressed to say this. I hadn't even thought about it in preparation, but I feel impressed in, by the Holy Spirit right now to say this. Some of you are quitting even in the small things, and in those small things, it's making a big difference in the negative in your life. The Bible says if you'll be faithful with the small things, he'll make you ruler over much. Never underestimate the seed in your life. The seed will produce a great harvest. Make sure that you're not quitting on being faithful in even the small things in life because the small things, I, I say this all the time, I have said it in the past, it's not the big things that ruin people. It's not the, the adultery. It's not all that. It's all the little small things that added up that got a person to where they were where they are be faithful amen let me give you one last thought because i need to bring this to a close our perceptions are formed by our god and need to be formed by our god numbers chapter 14 verse 1 i'll start there it says so all the congregation uh let me jump down to verse 6 candace let me just jump down to verse 6 we know the story I'll just kind of paraphrase the first part of this. They, uh, the children of Israel wanted to stone uh, 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 Caleb and uh, Joshua, and, and they wanted to uh, 
choose another leader and they wanted to go back to Egypt. And, and so that brings you up to where I'm at now. And in verse 6 it says, Then Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of yeah, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of Israel saying, The land we possessed or passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey, or a land that promotes health and prosperity. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are bred. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is is with us. Do not fear them. Here, Here... Caleb and Joshua. It's like, they're bred. Look at their perspective. It's like, we'll eat them up. Their protection has been lifted. They have no protection against us. Let's move in. And then verse 10, it says, And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before the children of Israel. And to say, just to put it shortly, God was ticked. If you don't know what that is, he was, that's Texan for mad. He was very mad. And they had a wrong perspective. I knew today was going to have to speed through. I, I had so many notes and things, but I just want you to understand this. Your perspective. Always evaluate your perspective. Make sure you have the right perspective. The Bible says that I have not seen, ears not heard, the things that he has prepared for us that love him. But by his spirit, he's revealed it to us. You go on and read, and it says, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. The natural man, will his perspective will reject that that God has for him. And so, and many of us can get into the place where we're just living so naturally that we're not seeing God at work in our lives. We've got to get past that. We have to have God's perspective. That's why we have to have prayer tied with not losing heart. That's why we have to have a relationship. That's why when us coming together is so important because I'll tell you where we'll gravitate and we'll default to. We'll default to only what we see. Uh, our perspective, only what uh, we, we can, can compare. It's not a comparison with God, it's a comparison with us instead of God. Are you with me? And so we need, we need to make sure that we're moving forward. As a matter of fact, let me just give you this last scripture and I close. I close with this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is after this whole group of people died off 40 years later. A whole group of people uh, died off. And Joshua was taking up the leadership of Moses. And, and God spoke to Joshua and he said this. He said this, Joshua, he says, don't let this law depart out of your mouth. Make sure that the word of God's in your mouth. Why? Because we just discovered that your words are powerful. Your words will, your words will determine your perspective. It will form your perspective. Watch your words. Watch your words because not only will it form your perspective, but it will perform, form the perspective in the lives of others. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So back to Joshua 1.8. It says, don't let this law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. 
day and night. This is something that we've got to do day and night. How can I meditate the word day and night? You can do it. We do it. I do it all the time. I live my life by the word now. So I'm walking. I, I conduct my life by the word. Why? Because I've meditated it and I continue to meditate it. Why? Because I want to take on his perspective in my daily affairs, the daily walk that I have with him. So it says, don't let this law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Amen. Amen. Get God's perspective. This is how Joshua 1.8. Let's pray.